Welcome to the Endless Wealth Podcast. I'm a mama of two little ones, owner of a multi seven-figure real estate portfolio, and I'm your host, Sarah Miskelly. My mission is to show ambitious, high-performing women in business how they can stop chasing money at work and start making passive cash flow and build wealth from real estate investing. Just be ready because with the right ideas and advice me and my phenomenal guests will share in each episode, you will see things differently than you ever thought possible. All right, let's get into this week's episode. All right, Serena, I am so excited to talk to you today. You are a successful entrepreneur turned realtor and author. Uh, For nearly 18 years, Serena led her multi-award winning brand experience agency, Tigress Events, to national recognition with 18 awards and numerous nominations. In 2022, you merged with another agency to take your business to the next level, freeing up your time to focus on your real estate career and active investing. Serena was also VP of Events at the Toronto chapter of the American Marketing Association and recently completed a book, The Accidental entrepreneur that chronicles her journey from a troubled childhood to a self-styled entrepreneur, sharing lessons learned and mistakes made to inspire others facing similar challenges. When she's not working, Serena enjoys spending time with her family, traveling, fitness, and supporting sustainability efforts, including a recent trip to Thailand to volunteer in an elephant nature park. That was awesome. I loved hearing about that. Um, So Serena, welcome. I was so excited to talk to you. It's funny, I used to work as you know, one of the people at your brand agency as one of the representatives. So that's how we connected. Uh, We recently connected on LinkedIn again, and both had a lot of commonalities in real estate investing. So thank you so much for taking the time today. Yeah, of course. Awesome. And I would love to hear just to get started after the success of your, your brand experience agency, like what led you to real estate investing? Yeah, I mean, a lot of it started um, actually through an opportunity back in 2017, where we started staffing events with this real estate education organization, ironically, staffing their events in Texas and Florida, of all places. And at the time, I didn't know what they did. I just got the pictures back. I was like, oh, Scott McGillivray is part of them. (laughs) So obviously, he's fairly well known, but I just didn't know anything about what they actually did. At that point, I had a fairly large team of eight or 10 of us. Um, They're all kind of busy staffing and planning events. So I wasn't super close to it, but I started to see ads for the Wealth Tour coming to Toronto. And at that point in time, I had sold my first rental property, which was a short-term rental in uh, Fort Myers, Florida. And I just didn't know what to do next. So I was just kind of holding on to the money, trying to decide what would be the best next move and then welcome the wealth tour. And I kind of went to that and they give you this taste of all these different real estate investing strategies and things that you could be doing. Uh, of course, they give you a taste. They don't give it all away. Um, So that led into their three-day conference, and then that led into a membership. Um, So I ended up going to their investor summit in June of 2018, and I did a lot. (laughs) I bought um, two pre-construction properties. I invested in a land deal, a few syndicated mortgages, and all these different things. And at that point in time, you know, I had different coaches and mentors that had encouraged me to invest. And I was looking at it from the standpoint of, you know, I'm in a service-based business, so we're only making money as much as we're out there delivering services. And if I'm going to start a family and I have to take a step back, I didn't know what kind of an impact that would potentially have on the business. So I was trying to create other sources of income so that I could decrease my dependency on the money coming in through my company and just, you know, leave as much retained earnings in in the company as I could so that when that time came, I was in a better position just to like, you know, just in case anything happened, like who knows how it's going to run if you're not right at the helm, right? So that's really what inspired a lot of the, the action that took place. 
Yeah. And what I love is you were so forward thinking, right? And I think that's a lot of time what's missing is we have these life events as women, like becoming a mom that's similar to me. I have two little kids and that changed everything, you know, really want to be available for them and setting yourself yeah. up in a way where you can be because yeah. of taking yourself out of the equation, essentially from investing. So yeah. I, I don't think enough people do that, but you were very, very clear <laughs> on what you wanted to do. Yeah. Um, yeah. And with all the different like investments that you've done, you know, why was the passive real estate investing of most interest to you? I mean, obviously there's the yeah. life experience that you had, but what, what really appealed to you in that regard? Yeah, I, I think um, really it's the cash flow. Um, you know, I have had a couple of properties now between the short-term rental and then later a long-term rental. And honestly, they just didn't cash flow the way that I expected them to. So I think that was a really big thing with um, a lot of the passive investing. There's kind of that immediate return, right? So you could be anywhere from 15 to 20 plus percent and you're actually getting that like back in your account every single month. So it's money that you can really live on and depend on. Um, at that point in time, when I started doing all this investing, you know, I one thing led to another and I got introduced to a mortgage broker and that really led into the money that I later came to depend on more. You know, nobody knew that COVID was coming and you can't really run events in a lockdown, <laughs> at least not the way that we were running events. So I was able to to look at my situation and the money I had available to to invest with, which primarily came from my home equity line of credit. And I was able to kind of ramp that up. So initially I started slowly like, okay, I'm going to make this much money. But then I was like, I could be making so much more money, <laughs> you know, like just by diversifying it and placing it with different things. And, you know, that was what really saved me during COVID. Initially it started as, you know, if I'm going to take a, a year off when I have my first child to like, next thing you know, we're in this pandemic that lasts for three years. And, you know, just so many things were changing and there was a lot of uncertainty. So I was really able to, you know, save myself in an otherwise very difficult situation because I stopped taking money out of my company for the first time since 2006. So if I hadn't been proactive to learn all these things and build these relationships, I think I would have been a very, very different experience and a pretty stressful, you know, time being a new mother and just trying to manage everything that goes along with that. Yeah, for sure. And I, I like that you sounds like you kind of built up your risk tolerance, like you kind of tried a few things, and then yeah. saw over time what could what worked and then kind of built on that and focused on yeah. that. Um, yeah. And I do want to touch on one thing you mentioned, you mentioned you kind of did the traditional way of investing with owning your own properties and that the cash flow wasn't as you expected. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? Like what really happened um, yeah. to affect the cash flow? Yeah, I mean, looking back, maybe I was just too naive and just trusted what people were telling me. And, you know, with the short term rental, I bought that in Florida because the dollar was at par. So I was able to buy something fairly cheap, like it was 125,000 US. And the realtor that I specifically used, they're an old time family friend of, you know, family that I'd had down there for a long time. And they said, you know, this will be booked all but eight or nine weeks for the year. So I was really thinking, like, we're going to have it booked based on short term rental rates for like nine or 10 months a year. And it was the opposite, like January to March were always booked. I could probably book them five years in advance if I wanted. And we were vacant almost the entire rest of the year. So if I was lucky, like I was posting ads, I was trying to promote it. Like I was really trying to get it booked, but it just seemed like maybe because of the location, like it was at a golf course and country club. It was nobody wanted to go there the rest of the time. So we were only, you know, sometimes we get someone for like a month here or a couple of weeks there, but for the most part, like it was vacant a lot. So the money that I had coming in, it barely even covered the operating costs because you've got high HOA fees, you've got the membership fees, you've got, you know, just all the, the maintenance. So say that was $14,000 a year. I was bringing in consistently the $10,500 if I hopefully could make up the difference. And then that didn't even cover like what I 
paid to buy the property, right? So I couldn't mortgage it in either country at that point in time. Um, but I used money from different sources. And I, I basically ended up using money from my company by lowering my income a little and taking like a bonus at the end of each year for 25, 30 grand. And then that would just lump sum. And I was able to pay off in four years, I guess. Um, but it wouldn't, you know, I just, I took what they said at face value. And now there's things like air DNA and things that you can use to really research what you can potentially expect in an area and see what the demand is like. Like if we had been at the, like a condo at the beach, maybe we would have had that nine or 10 months a year, but it just didn't work out. And then with the second property, which was a long-term rental in Edmonton, um, you know, at the time there was this four ways to win that I was looking at and they had positioned it that you'd have your rental income and your utilities separate. And when it came time to actually rent it, the property manager I hired said that no one would really go for that. So we had to include $500 a month of utilities in the rent. And then I think there's a couple of other things. So instead of cash flowing like eight or 900 a month, I was lucky to be making two. So that's not great. <laughs> and even as time passed, like three, four years in, that wasn't really changing. So I ended up selling it, did well, you know, made money on both of them when I sold them. Like I made about a hundred thousand on each of them when I sold them, but it definitely wasn't money that you could depend on like during the time that I owned them. Yeah. And, and that's a challenge, right? I think it's the the mistaken notion, especially with Airbnb, because it's, it looks like it's such a high amount of rent, but there's also the management cost, the, the yeah. time, um, the hassle, because clearly you, yeah, you knew how to promote you, you come yeah. from that kind of world. So it's yeah. like, if somebody who has that skill to promote, you know, at that time, wasn't even yeah. able to occupy it, then it's just something that may not work in that market, which you discovered. Yeah, it was just where it was, I think, honestly, like yeah. if it had been in a different area then I'm sure like if it had been Orlando, like I'm sure that that wouldn't have been a problem. It's just where I went. And again, I was going based on people I thought that I could trust that were kind of telling me what the other owners had experienced. And they'd even said that they'd help us get it rented and they didn't bring us one rental in like four years. So it just didn't pan out the way that we expected. And, you know, still was a good investment. At least it got me started, but it just, it definitely wasn't the life-changing money you can really depend on so yeah you were still profitable at the end it's good but it still wasn't it was a lot very time consuming it sounds like regardless yeah. like very time consuming especially when you have other things going on which is running business yeah. and all the things yeah. right um yeah. and in that regard you know you know like you said it's not that it was unsuccessful at the end you still made money so with the investments that you have made um in running a business what do you think is that one thing right. that has really contributed to your success overall yeah. I mean, I think really the private lending has been number one for me. Like I've done, um, I just signed off on my 58th deal in five years and almost half of those have just been in the last year alone. So initially I was working with one mortgage broker, but then when I wanted to do more, I was like, well, I just, I don't feel comfortable just, you know, putting all my eggs in one basket. So I just reached out to the community that I am part of and just started reaching out to see who had opportunities and then I really diversified it. So I have about 18 or 19 different companies and people that I work with right now. And I feel like they're people that I can really trust and they've been really like dependable with the money that's coming in and stuff like that. So I've just put as much money as I have available to, to really work. And then the result is that I've made about triple last year than I made in the highest year I ever had in my business. So, and that's just from signing the contracts. Like the only work I do is just not even depositing because I have auto deposit. I just try payments. <laughs> so it's not even mailbox money anymore, right? It's like just yeah. lands in your bank account. It's even that yeah, much. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like payday, right? Multiple times a month. Yeah. So and that's definitely been great. I'd say the one thing to be mindful of is just um obviously there's no appreciation to it the way that there is with a property. So I look at it like I put some money towards that. And then right now I'm looking at where I plan to put the money for my next acquisition. So I do want that long term 
you know, appreciating asset or assets as well, but it's good to be diversified in, in both areas. Yeah. And it sounds like at the end of the day, it's the decisions that you're making, right? Like, do you need cash flow right now? Or are you looking for like that long-term wealth building? And that's, that's also why I like syndications because you're getting a little bit of both. You're getting the cash flow and you're getting a pop when it sells, but at the same time, you know, you want to use those returns responsibly and then maybe put them into a cash flowing asset once you've like built it. So, so many strategies. And Mm -hmm. what's the one thing you'd say with all those partners that you've invested with? um, If somebody's looking to do this and they're, they're like, I'll do the work and I'll go find people. But what is that one thing you're really looking for when you're looking to put your money with? Because these aren't small sums of money. Like we're talking like 100K plus, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I generally now I'm looking for the returns. Like obviously interest rates have gone up considerably over the last year. So initially, at the beginning of last year, like I placed some money that was like 12%, 14%. Well, when interest rates are 3%, that's a pretty good spread. But when interest rates climb up to like seven and a half, that's literally half of your profit. So as those funds have matured, I flip them into things that are like 16, 18% plus just so that I can make sure I'm covering my margin since I'm using my home equity line to cover that. So I've always made more than I, I really need. Um, the benefit there is that it's paid off some other things. Like I dump money into my TFSA for some long-term land deals, but the private lending has paid those off. So it's, you know, it's kind of contributing to that wealth. And I think honestly, my biggest lesson is just for me, uh, because of a couple of things that got very significantly delayed, I, I generally try to diversify and have no more than 50,000 per deal or a hundred thousand per borrow, but split across two deals or two properties. Um, because I did three deals initially that were, I think it was about 350,000 across the three deals and one and a half others oh, a half I don't know but one and a half of those got really delayed so we're sitting at like five years since I invested and they were all like 12 18 month terms so they've just gone on and on and on and you know the way that their their deals were structured is that half of the interest was paid up front half at the back end and because it's gone on for so long chances are that back end interest won't even materialize <laughs> so at this point yeah. I just want to get my principal investment back. All the other private lending I've done is paid it off. So it'll be like a little nest egg when I eventually get it off. But I think you just have to know that, you know, sometimes there could be delays. So I'd rather have a delay on 50,000 than on 200,000. So that's why it's important to work with, um, I think, just a volume of different people that you trust instead of putting it all too much in the same place. Yeah. And and what I really like that you mentioned as well is that you will adjust your strategy based on what's happening in the market. Like I know, yeah. for example, a lot of us are doing HELOCs and we're so Serena and I are both Canadian. <laughs> But we were taking the HELOC loans on our properties. And when the interest rates were really low, like two, 3%, you could get like that really great spread and it felt really easy peasy. But it's yeah. now that strategy, unless you know and have those connections or you've built those connections, which you have, finding those higher returns to still make that strategy work becomes more challenging. Yeah. So it's really about like building those relationships and building that network, which it sounds mm-hmm. like you've done. You really put yourself in the positions with the right circles to yeah. find those deals um, to kind of align with your needs at that moment in time, which, you know, yeah. in life that will shift, um, yeah. but it is becoming increasingly challenging to make those, those high returns. And with those higher returns, are those higher risk deals? Um, yeah. What is that? Yeah. Okay. So it's higher risk. Yeah. Deals. I mean, so as much as everyone's like, they're so risky, like they're all pretty much promissory notes, general security agreements. Uh, that being said, it's not like you're just walking down the street handing out money. Like this is all real estate investors. There's always a property included. So it's, it pushed games to shove. Like that's ultimately your leverage in a sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, just going with 
people that I trust and seeing the work that they've done and vetting them just from other investors doesn't mean that something can go wrong, but it's unlikely that all 20 deals I have going on are all going to go wrong at the same time. So I kind of look at it that just by diversifying, that's how I kind of insulate my risk in some different ways, but everyone's got a different risk tolerance, right? So um, some people would prefer like a first position mortgage, but then you're looking at maybe 10% or 11% compared to like 18%. So depending on how you're planning to fund that, um, you know, for me, again, using a HELOC, like I've been chasing the interest. So that's been more of a priority to me. Like, again, I, I wouldn't work with them if I didn't trust them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think some people just, the, the the concept of that really makes them nervous. So some people don't touch that at all. Um, but it just, you know, it depends on where they're coming from and what they want to do. For sure. And like, and you built up to this, right? Like it wasn't like day one, you're going in, like this has been a big process yeah. for you getting like step-by-step. Step. Yeah. And so for somebody getting started, like what would you say is the hardest part of getting into this passive yeah. you know, lending world? Cause it, I think for a lot of people, it's, especially for me, when I first like heard about it, it seemed like this, you know, foreign idea, like, wow, yeah. you know, like this world of things that I had no access to. So yeah. what would be that advice you give to somebody who's interested, but they don't really know where to yeah. start? Yeah, I think the community is a big part of it. Um, so being surrounded by other real estate investors, and obviously in those instances, you're working direct to the investors. And then also mortgage brokers, like they have access to a lot of different people looking to facilitate those deals as well. So I right now have a roster of the five or six mortgage brokers. So I, I do a number of deals with them. And then there's other others that I work with directly. So I think just building, finding the communities, um, even on Facebook, for example, there are a number of different groups specific to real estate investing and private lending and stuff like that. You still then need to go and do your own due diligence. So work with a lawyer that can vet the deals can look into the properties that are list, listed, look into the financial picture of that individual investor. Um, there have been a couple of deals I've turned down because it looked like they'd, you know, refinanced their property like four times in the last five years. So it makes you wonder, well, why are they doing that? Where's mm-hmm. the money? And like, are they really going to be solid to pay it back? And is there enough equity to pay it back if anything goes wrong? So doing that kind of due diligence on, on them, like getting credit reports, checking insurance, like if they're doing renovations, for example, they need builder's insurance, not just homeowner's insurance. So just making sure that you have all of those things in order to make you feel comfortable to, to go ahead. Yeah. You become like a full-time money manager, essentially, (laughs) like your own bank. Like this is, it sounds passive, but you like, you're actively caring for your money. Like you're a steward of your money to make sure that it all flows together properly and protecting it. Right. Cause it's, you don't have that, um, outside source kind of looking over things, which I mean, can we really rely on the banks? I don't know, (laughs) but you really (laughs) need to put that care forward, which, you know, you learn and you do. Um, and then for somebody, you know, that wants to improve the real estate investing business, like, you know, you've done a little bit of everything what would be that thing that you'd say would would improve it for them in general no matter what they're doing what's that yeah. one thing you could do yeah i think um again just your your network is so important so initially i started with this bigger network there's probably about three thousand of us across canada and some in the states um so there's just i'm i'm in a private facebook group so you can see what people are doing like all the time and just how people are leveraging other people's money to acquire and ventures and all these different strategies. And then I also joined a more intimate, smaller group. Um, I think there's 65 of us in total as part of a mastermind. And we have like weekly calls, there's expert speakers, there's trips and programming around it and stuff like that. And that's really led into some other unique opportunities as well. So I think it's just, you know, by, by connecting with as many people as possible, it'll help like reduce the learning curve. And, you know, my trajectory is kind of like this, and then it kind of went like this a little bit in the last year and it'll kind of continue 
along that for a while, but it just depends on what you want out of it, right? Like people might be really happy in their jobs and be in a higher income earner and they just want to place things for the long term. Um, Other people want that financial freedom or that time freedom, right? So I think you just need to understand your own objectives and try to work with it accordingly. Yeah, for sure. And it's also like, or maybe a high earner and they want some tax incentives or advantages. Like there's so many yeah. factors that you can use the, the real estate investing for. Um, yeah. And as cliche as it sounds like network is your net worth. And it's, yeah. I've kind of been discovering that this season as well. Cause I was that realtor that would be doing cold calls for six, seven, seven hours a day. And I was okay yeah. to do that. <laughs> and I did well, but you kind of elevate to looking at, okay, well, what is the smarter way to do this? And it's finding those right people to connect mm-hmm. with where you yeah. can really reduce a lot of that legwork um, by making, if you make a few really great relationships, those people can, can give you access to their whole network or whatever that looks yeah. like. So it sounds like you're in that season as well, where you've kind of figured out that this is the best way to make the most of your time and elevate your income, which, which you have. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> Um, and I would really love to, you know, touch on the book you wrote, cause that's a huge endeavor in and of itself. So please yeah. share me a little bit more about that. Um, yeah, I'd love, I'd love to know. Yeah. So I guess, uh, my whole life, like my childhood was crazy. Uh, so my parents split when I was four years old and then, uh, just over a year later, my brother died in a really tragic accident, um, largely due to some negligence, uh, on behalf of some family members. So that was just like really defining in a lot of ways. And I think just going through, that and then bouncing around with like custody issues and family members. And, you know, just there was a lot that I went through over a period of probably 12 years. Um, and just growing up, everyone's like, your life's been so crazy. Like, we're gonna have to write a book about this one day. And then, you know, that just kind of planted the seed. And then I became an entrepreneur at the age of 23. And, you know, never had any intentions of running my own business, but it literally fell in my lap. Um, just was offered the opportunity to be a BA and then a manager and then a partner. And then, you know, my partner left the business four years in. So I just had to decide what to do. So, you know, the book evolves from, you know, all that childhood and all the the tragedy that I went through and then how it kind of just paved my path as an entrepreneur, because I knew that no one's handing me anything. Like I'm paying for school myself. I'm paving my own way. Like I can't depend on anyone. And, you know, my, my whole goal, like when I started working was just to have my own house, just to give myself my own sense of stability So real estate was important to me in that sense. And I hadn't at that point even thought about anything beyond my primary residence, but I just knew like, I want to know, like, this is my home. This is like my safe place. Um, But basically the book showcases that whole path and journey and how I discovered really real estate investing, how that was encouraged to me by a mentor and a coach that I had. Um, And then I basically ended up writing the book at a, a writing retreat in 2018. And then I got about two thirds of the way there, finished it over the following few months. And then I just had no idea what to do next. Like I just hit a wall when it came to publishing. So I just put it on the back burner. Um, and then when COVID happened, I was like, well, my business is not operating. I like, yes, I have an infant, but I'm not bombarded with like dozens and hundreds of emails every single day. So I enrolled for my real estate license. And then between those courses, I spent uh, time editing. So I'd take like two, three weeks in between courses found an editor to work with. So we did um, several rounds of editing, like content, spelling, grammar, like all of that stuff. And just kind of like rotated between those, <laughs> like usually a few mornings a week um, on and off kind of in between. And that took about a year. So it ended up going to market October of 2021. So coming up, I guess it's been a year and a half since it came out. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, it just showcases a lot of those like lessons, learnings, um, the challenges that I went through and you know, I think sometimes it resonates with people on the personal side, like if they've gone through these 
struggles within their own family. And then also for entrepreneurs and just, you know, people that are trying to create their own, their own path for themselves. Yeah. It's, and it's amazing, like how you can actually become bigger. I think sometimes there's challenges in life. You think it's going to just bring you down, but there's that resilience that gets developed and you make that decision. Okay. Am I going to let this define me or am I going to define myself essentially and build a bigger future for, especially for your your daughter and just create that environment. So that's powerful. And like I said, it takes a lot to write a book and with an infant too, (laughs) but I'm sure if you're anything like me, which it sounds like you, you like working. Yeah. (laughs) It probably gave you something to do as well out of baby time, right? (laughs) Because baby time, but it's also a little bit, um, becomes your world, (laughs) which is a lot. I mean, out of, yeah, a professional environment was like a good way to structure it. Like my husband been scheduled and, you know, I would take at the time I, lonely empty office because we're all gone because of COVID. So I'd spend usually like two, three hours twice a week. And that's kind of what got me through the course. And then it also helped me finish up the book and get it, get it published. Nice. And where can people find that? Uh, so it's on Amazon. Um, the easiest thing is just on my link tree. So it's linktree forward slash uh, Serena Holmes or Serena Holmes author. Like the Serena Holmes author has all the links to all the retailers mm-hmm. and Serena Holmes has links to a lot of different things. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. All the things that you're up to. Um, Well, Serena, it was an absolute pleasure. I loved how much information you gave and I know can really give people access to other options because there's so much more than traditional. There's an easier way. (laughs) There's an easier way and it's innovative and the future is just naturally more collaborative and you know, especially the internet, like everything is, you know, it's like, Oh, the internet, but it really makes a difference yeah. when you're seeing that people's lifestyles, we want this, there's a need, right? People mm-hmm. aren't as handy, you know, yeah. they want to still invest and leverage real estate, but doing yeah. it in a way where they can still fulfill on what it is that they're committed to individually. Right. Yeah. Um, so that was wonderful. And um, how do you like to contribute or give back? Yeah. I mean, I guess I don't have as much time now as I used to because <laughs> of having my three-year-old running around consumes a lot of time. But um, like I mentioned, I've given to tons and tons of different wildlife causes over the years. So that's been really big. Spent a couple of weeks in the jungle of Thailand, volunteering with the elephants, volunteering with like associations. Um, I sat on the board for Camp Children Trillium, which is a, a camp for children of cancer. So I sat on that board for a few different years. Um, so it just, you know, every different, different season takes you in different places, but as my daughter gets a little bit older, I'm sure I'll have a bit more time to get back into the community and, and all of that. Definitely. Well, thank you so much, Serena. I really appreciate your time today and all the information. Uh, and thank yes, you. definitely check out uh, Serena's book, The Accidental Entrepreneur. You can find it on Amazon and Serena, thank you. I look forward to learning more from you in the future. Great. Thanks for having me. All right. Talk soon. Thank you for tuning into the Endless Wealth Podcast. If you got value from this week's episode, please leave me a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. It truly means so much to me to be able to get this information out to more hardworking women like you. Are you a mom in business that wants to learn about alternative investments like self-storage, oil and gas, ATMs, and their huge benefits? Then you'll definitely want to attend the Moms Alternative Investing Summit on September 21 and 22. It's completely free, so bring a friend, virtual as well. Go to momsinvestsummit.com to register. The expert guests will blow your algorithm on what's possible in investing. I am so excited to have you.